Sound of Hockey episode 236. We're calling this one the Philip Grubauer <laughs> episode. Why are we calling it that, John? Well, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know that Philip Grubauer has been playing pretty well for the Seattle Kraken in the playoffs, I'm not sure not sure what checks out here because uh He's he's playing great. Yeah, what uh, are you even doing here? Yeah, what are, what are we even doing here? Yeah. Exactly. Well, no, I know I know what we're doing here. I know but what, what are well, you, you and I? Yes, you, the listener, doing here? We. If you don't know that Philip Grubauer is off to a hot start, he's got two hundred three goals against average and a nine forty seven save percentage through two games. So that's pretty impressive. I think we kind of talked about this leading up to the playoffs that he was kind of the key for this team to be successful. So, and it's, he's given us a chance. No notes, no complaints for Philip yep. Grubauer so far. He's played really well. Uh, this is Sound of Hockey. I'm Darren Brown at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter, joined as always by John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. I'm NHL to Seattle on the Twitter. And we are coming to you from Seattle, Bar Down Studios to be specific. We almost did this one remotely today because we're both cooked. Yeah. Very tired. It's been a long, up and down week very much. Uh, it's been a lot of fun with the playoffs happening, but man, we've been we've been doing a lot of stuff. So it's been fun, but fatigue is fatigue setting is in. setting we in. We need to kind of recharge a bit before the two cracking home games. So well, yeah. and I'm just thinking, like, man, if if this thing, if they win this series and go on a little bit of a playoff run here, we got a long road ahead. So if we're feeling this way after. Two pace games. ourselves. Pace Let's, ourselves. Yeah, yeah, we've been we've been hitting it hard in terms of coverage and uh, emotions running high for the games and all that stuff. So anyway, uh, we have a couple of reviews to share, which we're excited to share with you. Uh, they are, I guess, they're a little bit on a sad note, though. They're all about our good friend Andy. The first one came about ten days ago, so it was before his passing. Um, so it's still wishing that he'll he'll get well. Uh, it's from City's Rule. It says thanks to John the Kraken, Kenny M, and the staff at Thirty Two, and so many others for hosting the Andy Love Fest support uh, and support party on Tuesday evening. It was a pleasure to meet and chat with some uh, some hockey with John and so many of Andy's friends and fans. Uh, Andy should know many people are pulling for him and cherish him as a sharer of hockey passion and knowledge. We all miss him. Winning the McCann signed puck was also swell. So thanks from Catherine Jackson and Chris and get well, Andy. That was very, very nice. Uh, next one came from uh, Coach Duff. It says, love to Andy. I started listening this to this pod when it became official that the NHL was coming to Seattle. It was love at first listen. The passion that Darren, Andy, and John deliver is contagious. Being a person that loves humor and the magic sounds of others laughing, there is no better medicine for my soul than hearing Andy laugh with Darren and John. Well, I never had the pleasure of meeting Andy, I instantly connected to his larger-than-life personality. Nobody could ever question Andy's love of hockey, but I believe that Andy loved what hockey can do for a community. Hockey has always been part of the Pacific Northwest, and Andy had a special ability to share stories of players, cities, rivalries, and so much more. While losing Andy feels like losing a best friend, I am extremely grateful that I can go back to the pod to hear that laugh and hear those stories. Love to his family and friends, and a special hug to Darren and John. Thank you, Coach Duff. Thank you. Very nice. The last one comes from Joe Kraken 17 I believe this might be an updated uh, review, so thank you for this. Uh, it says, for Andy, uh, huge fan of the pod, day one, faithfully listened to every episode as part of my routine on my mail route. Thank you all for your work and dedication to hockey in the Pacific Northwest. A huge thank you to Andy. I've been following him on Twitter and faithfully reading his articles as a Portland Winterhawks fan since 2012. His knowledge, passion, and love for the game was shown through his work. I feel he is a huge driving factor behind Seattle and the Pacific Northwest uh, getting an NHL team because of Andy, we are cracking. That's uh excellent point. I wholeheartedly agree. Yes. Uh, I love that that's uh, somebody who, who wasn't even a Thunderbirds fan, right? <laughs> but 
followed his his work as just a WHL person in yeah. this region. So I mean, it's been pretty incredible to see all the commentary and tributes about what he meant. Because in all honesty, I always worried he didn't get enough credit. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we've talked about this before, but I'm going to mention it one more time. It's just nice to see how many people recognize the work that he did, um, whether it be for the Thunderbird community, for the broader hockey community, or even helping getting the Kraken here in, in kind of auxiliary writing and stuff. So I I miss him dearly, um, continue to think about him. I mean, it's impossible not to think about him. I mean, yeah. like I'm literally sitting next to a picture of him. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we miss him. Yeah, we. you know, uh, my wife and I came over uh, last night for the Kraken game, and as we were leaving, pulling out of the driveway, uh, I, he would always park kind of at the end of your driveway and I was the lazy one. I would just park in your driveway and <laughs> every night as I was leaving here, right. I'd, I'd drive down the driveway and he'd be, he'd be walking along and I'd give him a little wave, you know? So yeah. I just like, I felt that mm. like, like I saw him kind of walking along the driveway as we were leaving last night. So, um, Oof. it's, uh, you know, it is gonna, it's still tough. It's, it's still definitely it's, tough. Yeah. It is um, very, very, yeah. I'm. Tomorrow this, night's going to be tough. This whole playoff thing is is so awesome, and I'm having such a great time with it. But mm-hmm. yeah, can't can't shake it. Yeah, right. All right. Thank you to the five star reviewers. Leave your five star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll read it on next week's show. Uh, and I one day we'll stop doing really sad intros to this show again. Um, but uh, for now, it's. Uh, it's a good thing to continue doing, I think, while we uh, remember our good friends. So um, let's talk about this first Kraken playoff series, though. Uh, the first two games, let's just kind of give it a high-level look here. A pulse check, if you will, John. Where are you sitting right now? How are you feeling about everything? What have you seen in general from this series between the Colorado Avalanche and your Seattle Kraken? Not much. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of no I mean... Not really living up to it. You know, it's, it's... Uh, as a whole, great performance by the Kraken, right? Yeah. Nobody's giving them much of a chance, but they are, at times, they're taking it to Colorado, right? I think I think game one, they were the better team and they won. And then in game two, Colorado kind of looked like the better team as a whole and ended up winning too. It's not always the case, right? Sometimes you can win games that you, you don't deserve to win, but I don't know. They looked... I think they look pretty good. They're kind of as advertised for the entire season that people haven't been paying attention to, right? Mm-hmm. Depth scoring, they're getting better than average goaltending. And I think we even talked about that. Like that was a key to to any kind of success in the playoffs is is you don't have to be excellent goaltending. This team can win on good goaltending and they're getting it. Yep. Um, and I think just generally speaking, like after two games, they've proven that they can skate right with one of the, well, people think they're one of the best teams in the league because they won the Stanley Cup last year. But they're right there with them, man. And even last night's game, we're going to get into both these games a little bit more de- in more detail. Um, but on, on Thursday night's game, I mean, they could have won that. You know, yep, they were up to yep. nothing. Uh, and even even as the tides turned in that game, it still felt like there was a chance Seattle was going to pull it off. Uh, so I really like where they're at. They're coming home with a 1-1 tie. And as I've said on the many different types of shows that we've appeared on <laughs> over the last couple of days. Uh, I've said that um, 
you know, if, if you had told us a week ago that it was going to be one to one, we'd take, take it, it, right? I think the only thing that's like making people feel a little bit down right now is because the, the recency bias of having just lost the second game instead of doing it the other way around. While they had a two two goal lead in, yeah. that, in that same game, that last game. So, because yeah. yeah. it was close to being like, oh my gosh, they could put this thing away mm-hmm. and just never did. And, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think people are feeling pretty good. Yeah. Honestly. Uh, let's talk about game one in a little bit more detail. So they won that one three to one, just as everybody kind of expected coming in. Uh, it was it was a fun one to watch, certainly. Ellie Tolvanen scored very early in the game after a really good forecheck by Yanni Gord and Oliver Bjorkstrand. Uh, Miko Ronson tied it then off of a pass by uh, Nathan McKinnon. Everybody knows that they're going to get some points, but this was the only goal that Colorado scored. Um, we've said, like, if you can keep these guys off the scoreboard, off the score sheet, there's a good chance Seattle wins uh, or at least minimizes the damage that goal from did those guys. bounce off his skate, right. right? It was His skate was in a strategic spot, yep. so I'm not saying it's completely luck by any means, but let's not lose track of that, too, right? Worth noting. Yep. Yep. Uh, Alex Wenberg had a fantastic game in this one. He took a nice pass from Jaden Schwartz off of a quick up by uh, Jamie Lexiak, and so that created kind of a three-on-two Morgan Geeky went hard towards the net and just kind of like took Bowen Byram out of the play. Uh, nice little sort of pick play. And then Schwartz passed it over to Wenberg, who pulled the trigger. Now, Wenberg is not always known as a great shooter, but that was a hell of a shot. It was. It was like do or die, though, too, right? Because yeah. he, he was coming in with a f- full steam ahead and just was whipped it in into the net. It was yeah. awesome. Adding to that, he made another nice play on the forecheck uh, later in the game which created Morgan Geeky's goal. So the puck got rimmed around. I think it was Justin Schultz that rimmed it around. And it looked like the Colorado, I forget who it was behind the net, was going to take it, just take the puck. And Alex Wenberg just made a nice little move, dipped around him, whoever that defenseman was, made a nice pass out to the front, and Morgan Geeky put it away. So um, really fun game, I think, uh, when when they scored that goal. Then it was a two-goal lead, and it was like, all right, I feel pretty good. It's the third period. They pulled their goalie with like four and a half minutes left. Somehow, some way against the Colorado Avalanche in game one in their building, it never felt all that tense to me in that third period. As soon as it got to 3-1, I was like, all right, I think we it, have this. It's and they literally did. just watching the clock tick down, yeah. right? Because, I mean, I I was nervous, but that's that's the least amount of stress I've probably ever felt in a game, in a Stanley <laughs> Cup playoff game that yeah. I've had, a, you know, somebody I'm rooting for. Right. Keep it, you know, two goal lead as long as you possibly can. And the longer that goes on, the less stress that remains. So yeah. it was, uh, it was nice. It was yeah. a nice game one. Very solid win. Game two uh, happened on Thursday night. Now, I expected the Colorado Avalanche to come out absolutely flying and sort of dominate again to Seattle's credit. They didn't let that happen. Seattle was the better team in that first period. Uh, they were instead flying. They had two goals for um, for them. Justin Schultz scored very early. The second game in a row, they scored an early goal. Brandon Tanev followed that up with a shorthanded goal, um, and they go to the room 2-0. You're like, this feels this feels pretty good, right? Yeah, it was Avs, a great, Avs great got first booed period. off the ice by their own fans. Excellent first period. I yeah. think it was the, the best first period they could could have possibly had given the situation. Unless Morgan Geeky's goal had gone in to make it 3 nothing, That would have made it even better, but neither here nor there. Uh, so Yanni Gord had a huge period, though. He he made two fantastic plays that led to both those goals. The first one, it was Oliver Bjorkstrand was behind his own net. He rimmed the puck around. Gord got it, and in one motion, slid past Darren Helm, poked it past Devon Tays at the blue line, and sent Ellie Tolvanen off to the races. And then Tolvanen hit Schultz with the, the pass, the setup at the end. 
hand. Um, but then on the second one is a shorthanded goal. It's effectively Yanni Gord just trying to kill time down in the offensive zone, one against three, and he somehow recognizes that Tanev is streaking down, hits him with a perfect pass. Tanev scores and blows the kiss heard around the world, as we <laughs> mentioned on our new YouTube series. Check out our new YouTube series, by the way, Kraken Takeaways. And that's all we have to say about that. The kiss was very funny, though. It was yeah. a very, very funny kiss. I did see a few takes out there that maybe that was like the turning point, like that Twitter account uh, images that precede unfortunate hockey events or whatever. <laughs> it was like a picture of Tanev blowing the kiss, but... I don't think so. I don't think it had anything yeah. to do with yeah. it, but, you know, nonetheless, people yeah. like those kinds yeah. of things. I love it. I loved it too. I thought it was very funny. Um, so second period starts. The abs did look like a different team, almost like they didn't like getting booed off their own ice. Do you think that's maybe part of it? I, I'm not convinced they were booed. They uh, were. I no. I thought it was more the referees. Okay. I thought that. I thought there was some. You keep saying that, and I'm like, I don't. I mean, I heard the boos, mm-hmm. but I just thought it was directed at the referees for okay. something that happened I earlier. Don't what the refs would have done, but what well, there was a play that wasn't called or something like that. So. Really? The fans didn't agree with it? With the- yeah, I know. It's weird that... You know what? Anyway, we'll get to that. In put bit. a pin in that. Yeah, put a pin in that. Okay. About the refs? Yeah, but it's not in context of the Seattle Kraken okay. games. Got it. So, <laughs> so anyway, they looked a lot better. They caught fire about six minutes in, scored two goals, and I think 40, uh, 48 seconds, I think, was the gap. Lekkonen scored, and then Nachushkin scored. The Nachushkin one was pretty nice. It was like a quick strike, nice little pass through the neutral zone, nice little pass to get him behind, behind the defender. Yeah, it got behind the defender. Yeah. I mean, you you don't want to let that one through. No, but, but it's a it's a Nichushkin pretty nice is goal. So good, yeah. he's so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then so by that point, it's anybody's game going into the third, and it felt like blood was in the water, so to speak, for the Kraken. I think the Devon Taves goal was just kind of a matter of time. They had 31 shots on goal between the But they hung in there, right? Oh, like totally. That's, that's the totally. one thing is is it felt like there was blood in the water after the Nashushkin goal, mm-hmm. but they, they were able to weather the storm and and keep it right there, keep it 2-2 for, for a, quite a bit longer in the game, hanging around, and then Taze gets one inside 10 minutes in the third. So I think, they gave again, they gave themselves a chance to win. Um but Colorado was a little too much kind of toward the end yeah. and, and just could never kind of get any great opportunities. Now, there was three different opportunities, and they were all in different parts of the game. But so the Everly shot that came after a three-on-one where they they kind of – he had the opportunity. He, he could have scored, but, you know, just put it kind of closer into the goalie, into the pad. And then I think Bjorkstrand had like a grade-A chance that, that um, was blocked at the last second. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Geeky hit a post earlier in the game, right? Like all those things can just could have turned the tide the other way, but unfortunately the, that didn't happen. And you could say the same thing about game one and Colorado having a couple opportunities where crossbars and, and posts were hit as well. Now, a couple in- interesting things tactically on both sides between these two games. Uh, first off, nobody has scored on the power play yet. The only special teams goal was a shorthanded goal by Brandon Tanev. So in a way, Seattle's plus one. I think they have a, a big advantage there if you think about it. If if nobody scores on the power play in this whole series, I think that actually is good for the Kraken. Find some wood immediately well, and knock on it. 
Okay, okay, I did. Okay. My chair is made of wood. We're all okay. good. But like, think about that, right? Like, they're so good at five on five. If they can minimize what happens in special teams, even if they're not scoring on the power play, I think that's okay. Um, but if you also think about it, I thought they got a little too cute with their setup in game one because they had normally they have Jared McCann on the left side of the top unit, Daniel Sprong on the left side of the second unit. And for some reason in game one, they switched it up and all of a sudden they had Sprong and McCann out together with McCann on the right side. McCann hasn't been on the right side all season. So I thought that was just a little bit of an odd like last minute thing. And I, I'm sure they didn't have much time to practice that because Sprong wasn't at practice on Saturday and Sunday with injury. So I thought that was odd. And then they went back to their old setup for the game too. I mean, it could have been a read on the, their PK, right? Yeah. Their style of PK. And oh, maybe, for sure. Maybe they saw kind of a weakness or just wanted to change it up because they knew they'd be smothering you know, whoever's on the kind of the, the right side to the, mm-hmm. of the net. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and and I think Colorado's played really aggressive on the, on the penalty kill. Mm-hmm. So it just hasn't seemed like the Kraken's got much opportunity. There's only, only a couple moments where I remember them having like sustained pressure and kind of opportunity, but the power plays kind of struggled down the stretch in general. And, and part of that's Burakovsky, but Burakovsky's only on one of the was only on one of the power plays, so you'd figure the other one would pick up the pieces, but it, they haven't really, really kind of delivered. Yeah, but so they, I mean, they did change it back, so we'll see. I think I, I don't know. I, there's usually a way too when a team is being really aggressive that you can exploit, exploit that. It, so yeah. maybe after after seeing it for a couple of games, they'll make some more adjustments and and figure something out in the power play. But um, like I said, if if it keeps going the way it's going, I'm personally fine with that. The other thing that I thought was interesting from game one to game two is the Yanni Gord line with Oliver Bjorkstrand and Ellie Tolvanen. They were kind of the ones checking McKinnon and Rontanen in game one. And they did a phenomenal job, right? They they stopped them. Well, they obviously had the one goal, but there was not, not much else happening for those guys, I didn't think, in that game. In game two, I thought it was really interesting that Jared Bednar shook the shook their lineup up. They, they took uh, McKinnon and, and Rontanen apart from one another, um, they split up Devon Taves and uh, and Kale McCarr. So I just thought it was fascinating to see. It almost felt like the Avalanche were, in a way, like countering what the Kraken were doing, which I don't think anybody really expected that's how <laughs> no, that was going to no. go in this series. So um, anyway, that's uh, that's our look at games one and two. Now we have game three coming. I don't suppose you're excited about that one, are you, John? No, not at all. Mm-hmm. Not like terrified slash the most terrified i've been i mean it's it's just natural for me to cut you saw it you have to watch in public that's true i i don't think i'll have a problem there so uh but i'll I'll be nervous yeah have you how many playoff games have you been to oh you've been to quite a few in my life yeah two two okay see i've only been to one and it was when i was 15 years old so i'm excited I'm really excited. Yeah, I, I, the atmosphere is going to be so nuts, I bet. I mean, that's something I always dreamed of. Of, And I think playoff hockey has a way of kind of igniting a fan base and growing the game like yeah. more than any other regular season game. And so I think I've, I've probably mentioned that numerous times, but I don't even know where I mentioned it because I've been talking <laughs> so much on the yeah. microphone. Yeah, if you've been listening to us on other platforms today and yesterday, you've certainly heard us say some of the stuff we yeah. just said about Yeah, so, but uh, <laughs> I kind of mentioned this on KJR today that it's – Bringing that that Seahawks atmosphere, the fan atmosphere inside, was always like kind of a concept I was like excited to see happen, and I think mm-hmm. we're going to see the closest thing to that on Saturday night. 
and what a perfect night to do it. Yeah. Uh, there's this little campaign happening behind the scenes that comes from important people inside yeah. the organization. I'll just say that, that uh, I know that we've talked about it before on this podcast that we need to pick a lane on what we're yelling at the national anthem. Uh, apparently, it's got to be C. Yeah. Oh, say, can you see? Yell, yell the C part. Yes. Oh, can you see? You you forgot say there. <laughs> okay. Oh, can say you see. Oh, can say you see. Oh, say, see, can you. <laughs> but you're going to, no matter what order that's in, you're going to yell the C. C. Yes. Is that clear? Could we have been any more clear than that? We're going to yell C. Okay. All right. In the listeners, listeners at home, if you're going to the game, I want you to nod twice right now if you understood the about when you're yep. supposed to yell during the anthem. And if I hear any listener yell at a different part, and I'm going to know. Who's listening. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, quick glance around the NHL. <laughs> so the playoffs have been pretty fun. I personally am mostly invested in the Kraken uh, Avalanche series. I don't know if you were aware of that, but I do have a second dog in the fight with the Minnesota Wild. They're still kind of my backup team that I like watching. Their series has been pretty fun to watch. That's one to one. All the Western Conference series, well, it will be two to one somebody by the time this podcast posts. Um, all the Western Conference series got off to a one-one start, which I thought was interesting. Um, but John, I just wanted to ask, what's uh, what's your favorite series right now? What are well, you I'm enjoying? loving the, the Dallas-Minnesota. I think that oh, is okay. that is a pretty awesome series. But you know, kind of on the East, I think Boston-Florida is actually more entertaining than I anticipated. Mm -hmm. I was really eager about Toronto-Tampa Bay, but both games have been blowouts one way or the other. In Yeah, in different yeah. directions, which so, is interesting. I mean, it's Boston-Florida, which I did not expect at all, and Minnesota-Dallas. And I'm watching them all, mm -hmm. but those are the ones I'm I'm in front of the TV when, when the pucks drop. The others are maybe on a peripheral TV or a device or whatever. So There's been some good storylines around that Minnesota-Dallas one, and, and I don't feel like most of the series have real great storylines yet. I'm sure they will at some point, but um, I love the fact that Minnesota, for some reason, decided to switch goalies after a double overtime win in, in game two, and it totally backfired, and Ooh, everyone's like yeah. having a hard time with it. And then uh, there's all this like pissiness between the coaches. I don't know if you've read any of the quotes, but they're like- Dean Evanson looks like a jerk sometimes. He, I'm, he I'm not saying does. he is a jerk, but he just looks like so angry. Yeah, he kind of yeah. can be, I think. <laughs> I, I get the sense he probably- Kind of. Have you ever seen him like punch his assistant coaches after they win in overtime? Like, like an aggressive, like, yeah, like high way five, too aggressive, but it's like a punch. Yeah. No. So when they they have a bit like where they if they win, the assistant coaches like quickly kind of like scramble off the bench because they know they're going to get punched really hard. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, fun series all around. I just, man, I love the playoffs. I do too. And it's so. So different when you have a dog in the fight, isn't it? And <laughs> I, it's kind of crazy for me because not to make it about myself or too much minutia, but like I have a game that I have an emotional investment in every night right now because they're playing on opposite and nights. And usually people don't have that, right? <laughs> no, yeah. it's like, yeah. it's too much. Every single night I'm like, I'm either super wired because the team won or I, I'm like all down because they lost. So it's it's crazy, man. I, it's just been a, a really fun week from a hockey watching perspective. Let's move down on the farm. Moo. Ty Cartier won the Rookie of the Year award. Not bad for an undrafted signee out of training. He was like, they invited him to training camp at the inaugural season just as an invitee, right? He impressed them at training camp. 
he went back to the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, played great, had a fantastic 20 season, and then gets signed out of the OHL, goes right to the Coachella Valley Firebirds, and he's just been awesome, especially what, in the second half of the season. What's cool is we've kind of been talking about him, mm-hmm. like even at training camp, Well, he remember? stood out to yeah. us, yeah. right? Like our... I don't want to call us untrained eyes, but we're not scouts, you know, and, and we both independently were like, yeah, I really liked the way Ty Cartier played. And you're like, well, yeah, but like he's an unsigned. And he's an overager compared yeah. to 18, 19. Cause I think we saw him in the original development camp and, and kind of, so he's got a couple years on the, but right, I'm, right. what I noticed is a shot and, yeah. and you know, hard shots are hard to come by. So I was like, well, that stands out. And he just was doing all the right things, but you know, I don't know. Where is he supposed to be as a 20-year-old? So I'm excited to see, you know, how it plays out. Now, it's funny. The press release had some um, prior winners in this most outstanding rookie for the AHL. There's two former Kraken on that list who have been rookies of the year in the AHL. Mason Appleton. Oh. And Alex Boulay. Ah, okay. was on the team for about a week, Uh maybe. Uh, Hip, hip, barre. Hip, hip, boulay. So anyway, there's some other big name guys like Miko Rantanen, who's actually a former AHL player of the year. Can we pause? That that would have been a great cheer. That should have... I wish that Alex Barry boulet would have stuck around longer just so that that brilliant idea that I had for um, like an hour would have come to fruition because well, that I, was a funny idea. As, I mean, I think he's still playing. I Well, yeah, but not for the crack anymore. Well, he could. So. I'm just saying he could. Now so. he's effectively... I mean, yeah. you know. Okay, anyway, enough about uh, the former... Kraken okay. AHL Rookie of the Year. Ty Cartier, current Good at AHL hockey. Yeah. Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Good at hockey. And he's helping the Coachella Valley Firebirds. He almost uh, helped the Seattle Kraken because he was called up for like 10 minutes. Uh, we thought that maybe he'd be even playing for Daniel Sprong because Sprong missed those practices over the weekend. That wasn't the case, obviously. It might have just been some smoke and daggers. Maybe they brought him up for... Smoke and daggers, smoke and mirrors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just conflated it's cloak and daggers, cloak and daggers yeah. with smoke yeah. and mirrors. Yeah, I did that once with um, uh, sober as a judge versus cute as a button. I said I was sober as a button. <laughs> anyway, oh, classic. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the Coachella Valley Firebirds uh, have Ty Cartier back now after he was briefly recalled by the Kraken for the first time, and they did play one game as of the recording of this podcast. They have one game under their belts, a 5-1 to one win over the Tucson Roadrunners. They're playing again tonight, Friday night, so we don't know the outcome of that game yet. Um, but in game one, they had some nice performances by Max McCormick, who had two goals and an assist. Friend of the pod, Cole Lind, had a goal and two assists. And friend of the pod, Joey Decord, had a whopping 45 saves. Which in a 5-1 win, that sounds like a lot of shots against, but I don't know. Yeah, I watched it. Um, was it a lot of shots? It, it was a lot of shots. It didn't seem As like dangerous were, as it sounds? Nah, no, I was surprised to see that number, to okay. be honest. So. Okay. so maybe some generous shot tallies <laughs> yeah, in the like AHL? Beer league style? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just an estimate. Yeah. I don't know. That looked like five shots yeah, in that yeah. little sequence there. Yeah, just put them down for a five spot. That's fine. Uh, anyway, they do play game two tonight, as I mentioned, and then game three on Sunday. And this is just a best of three series. Am I? Am that I correct is correct. On that? You are remembering that correctly. That's a, that's a quick one there, a little best yeah. of three. So it could the series could be over and they could be advanced by the time you hear this, or maybe not. So maybe we'll not. knock on wood yeah. again. Yeah. Knock on wood. 
Farther down on the farm, the Thunderbirds have advanced. They're now a perfect 8-0 and zero in the playoffs after sweeping the Prince George Cougars. We mentioned last week we got to go to the Friday game, um, which was very emotional. Um, but, uh, man, good on them. Happy to, happy to have friend of the pod, Matt Odette. Uh, have his boys cruising there. They're looking yeah, good. they look they look awesome. Now that they're going to be playing Kamloops, who also is a perfect eight and zero, okay. scoring a lot of goals. Meh. They put ten on Portland to close them out. Yeah. So, but uh, that's going to be an interesting series, and it all starts next Saturday um, when Kamloops plays at Seattle, um, both Saturday and Sunday. So we've been saying it. Check them out. They are a ton of fun, and this game is going to be loaded with with some some talent and Olin Zellwinger plays for Kamloops former mm-hmm. Everett Silvertip and he's a friend of the pod did uh, the we talk blog. to him before? I no I spoke to him for a uh, for a story I wrote on him I once. thought we talked to him before he got drafted I don't think so because he's part of the trio he's he's not the most outgoing guy who when was it, comes it that we talked from Everett then um, doesn't matter it does not matter yeah anyway uh, check him out <laughs> Uh, it doesn't matter right now yeah well it wasn't me it was you and Andy so I wasn't there but I don't know anyway Thunderbirds good at hockey Uh, weekly one-timers is our next segment our first (laughs) weekly I don't know what I just did there our first weekly one-timer the Flames and Brad Tree Living have mutually agreed to part ways Uh, interesting ish uh sounds like the scuttlebutt that i read was that there's some differences between tree living and uh, coach daryl sutter coach daryl sutter is being kept on for another year at least they extended his contract uh well a while ago theoretically he's staying on for another year right right things didn't go great in calgary obviously they missed the the playoffs i was generally very impressed with the way that tree living handled the whole situation last season right what they got back, considering that they effectively lost Goudreau and Kachuk, who both were, you know, on their way out, to then come back with Jonathan Huberdo and who else did they? they were, well, they signed Kadri in the free agency. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought that they had really done some good things, and then things just didn't go well. Uh, I, somehow Huberdo just didn't fit. He didn't have a great season. Yeah, I so. think... I don't know. It's hard to know what really happened here, because it feels like he did a pretty good job, I think, and... The team just kind of underperformed or just not haven't quite hit their stride as a new team because there's a bunch of new players. I would not be surprised if Flames are pretty good next year, as mm-hmm. a, meaning a playoff contender, which they were this year, really. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I don't know. It might be short-sighted. But we'll see. But we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> That was a weird way to end that sentence, John. You kind of went up with your tone as if you had more coming. Did I say we were tired today? Yeah, we're yeah. cooked. We're totally yeah. cooked. Our next weekly one-timer. Whoosh. Speaking of the Flames, a young goalie in the Flames organization, Dustin Wolf. <laughs> That's not going to be a thing. Okay. Uh, he won goalie of the year for the second season in a row. So he's, well, actually, is that four seasons in a row? Because didn't he win two WHL goalies of the year? and then two straight AHL goalies of the year, if I'm not mistaken. So that's not bad. Not bad at all for a kid that almost didn't get drafted and everyone says is too small to play well in the NHL, right? People said he was too small, but um, all good. All good for him. Happy for him. I'm really hoping he's a good kid. I'm I'm hoping he's a good NHL player. Like we don't know yet, to be Mm -hmm. honest. He played one game and, and played well at the end of the season. So I'm really excited to see what he does next year. I'm, I, Imagine he's going to be on the team. I just don't know in what capacity they're going to use him. So. Our next weekly one-timer, <laughs> pedial, ooh, 
Peter? Peter? Peter LaViolette, also out as coach of the Washington Capitals. What do you think about that one? Man, I, I don't know. Like I don't think the team was that good this year. But yeah, they kind of stunk. Yeah, so uh, a couple injuries too. So, I But don't do know. you think – like I think they need a – they're going to keep riding the Alex Ovechkin train until it comes completely off the rails, I think. But like this is a pretty old team, right? Aren't they getting real old? They are. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I don't know if the outlook is that great either. So. Right. I, I have a hard time believing that it's Peter Laviolette's fault necessarily, but – Whatever. Our next weekly one-timer. The USA women won the Women's World Championship. That's exciting stuff. Did you watch it, John? Yeah, it was an awesome game. Uh, Hillary Knight had a big Hillary Knight had a hat trick. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. Um, But it was Canada kept on going up by a goal, and then the U.S. would score. And it wasn't until, like, literally the last five minutes that that the U.S. pulled away. And incredible games. A lot of fun. So uh, Canada's been kind of handing it to the— to the U.S. lately in the women's women's world and and the Olympics, so mm-hmm. nice to see the U.S. back on top. Our final weekly one timer, Zdeno Chera ran the Boston Marathon in three thirty eight, which is quite good for a six foot nine. 200 and how many, I don't know two hundred seventy pounds or whatever he weighs. Uh, the videos of him running were somewhat comical not because he looks funny running but because all the people around him that were running looked so incredibly small tiny and he just like towered over like little kids right yeah yeah. um did anyone make the joke that it was the zedano charathon i didn't see that that felt like an obvious pun that i don't think people connected i don't know did you see it no i mean if other people made the joke that's fine but i came to it independently so i just want to take credit for that because that's a an obvious one and a good one um i do have a bone to pick with uh zedano chair though because that 338 number that beats my pr by one minute so now i almost feel like i have to get training again just so i can beat zedano chair yeah, something chara can train for a year and beat your best i don't know what's that say about your best i think it's pretty impressive that i can <laughs> how many marathons have you run john Half. <laughs> Half of one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good, too, though. That's that's a good thing, too. That probably took you a lot of training. I bet you felt really proud of yourself when you finished that. Am yeah, I right? Sure. sure. Okay. Yeah. And that's yeah. why it's fun yeah. to run some yeah. longer races sometimes. Yeah. Now, to be fair, uh, I'm very out of shape now, and I haven't run a marathon in probably three years. So uh, maybe four years. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh, we have a late-breaking Bad Boys. Yeah. It just appeared on the show notes magically. Uh, I didn't put this here, so I'm assuming that you did. Yeah, Michael Bunting suspended three games. Uh-huh. Uh, How does this impact the Leafs? (laughs) Directly. Oh, okay. (laughs) So anyway, I just thought of that last minute, so I threw it on the show notes. What did he do? He hurt somebody? Uh, Cernak, I think. Okay. Yeah. So he's he's a weird one. Hmm. Seems like he's a polarizing figure Hmm. um, for referees and the league. At least that's what, according to Leaf fans. Okay. Okay. Oh, speaking of which, I wanted to get back to the referees. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pin, has, pin, been pulled. pin has been pulled. Um, good timing. Good segue. Excellent. You know what I love seeing is that even the Canadian markets are incapable of objectively looking at penalties called and get all irate and upset over obvious penalties against their team. Well, why do you say that? Why do you mean uh, even Canadian markets? Well... Like more knowledgeable fans? Is that what you're I saying? I just feel that there is a... People look at our fans sometimes and think, "Oh, it's a new fan base. They don't know that's a that's a hook or a trip." Yeah, right. When the reality is, Every you could fan say base. the same thing about Toronto, Winnipeg, Edmonton, all these other kind of more conventional, as, as they say. So, 
Anyway, there, it's nice to see that. There was honestly. a full-on yeah. refs you suck chant during the Kraken Avalanche game on Thursday after like the cleanest of hits. Yeah, like, it was just exactly. like there was absolutely no penalty, and the and the fans went straight to refs you suck, and I was like, but. But they didn't do anything wrong, right? Like I never, yeah. it's yeah. just, it's so funny. I love when I it's like the most obvious call or the most obvious, like, oh, yep, that's definitely a penalty. And Colorado penalty to number, boo, boo. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. But it's just, I know a lot of seasoned hockey fans here that sometimes go like, oh, our fan base is still learning the game. They don't know that's like an obvious trip or whatever, you know? And it's like. No, it's just fans. No, it's, fans it's just fans, fans, right? They just want things yeah, to go it, their you way. You get it at football games too, right? Mm-hmm. For holdings or whatever. Do you think telling the refs they suck? And I I, I don't think we really ha- asked um, Vaughn Rohde about this. I think we probably should have in retrospect when we talked to him. But do you think that telling the refs they suck is helpful to your team or hurtful? I, like, does the next penalty go your way if you tell them that they suck? I don't think it matters one way or the other, but I think it's a heck of a lot of fun. So okay. keep doing it. All right. <laughs> uh, I sometimes feel bad for them. I'm like, why are you telling them they suck? I, why, like, why are we booing them at the start of the game? They haven't done anything yet. Let's give the guys man, a break. If you think that's bad, you should you should see beer league referees get crap for- oh, yeah. I know that. it's it's like beer league refs and refs in general are doing the best they can. Yeah, and they don't see everything, and the perspectives sometimes matter. Mm-hmm. Like nobody's doing this maliciously, but it's also some, eleven o'clock at night. Yeah, and like, we're <laughs> and it's like a regular season game, and we all make the playoffs. <laughs> so like, why do we care that much? Anyway, okay, uh, sorry, rant over. All right, pin back into yeah, the ref. Yeah, no, well, it was filed. Just, it. It's, we're gonna file. It's it. been filed. Yeah. All right. We now move on to Sound of Hockey's Three Stars. I'm going to go first this time. My star is Morgan Barron of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, not because he like did some incredible play, but because he had his face smashed against Laurent Brassois' skate blade, cut open horribly, got 75 stitches, and returned to the same game <laughs> with a cage over his face, and just, like, his face is, like, all mangled and looking terrible. Just, he's like the Phantom of the Opera. Oh, man. It's just awful. He looks. It reminds awful. of Matt Calvert, right? The whole. Oh like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a few years ago, for fans that don't remember that one, or listeners that don't remember that one, Matt Calvert was playing for the Blue Jackets, and it was the same kind of thing. He got cut really bad. Went and just had like a wrap put around his head. Came out looking like a Civil War, like somebody who had been badly wounded. Yeah, um, literally like a Blue Jacket. Like. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> Which made it even funnier, and they were wearing those jackets with the or the jerseys with the cannon on them that yeah, night, I yeah. think. Um, and he scored the game-winning goal, so that was a legendary, legendary night for him. But okay. anyway, uh, Morgan Barron, what a what a warrior, huh? And that's playoff hockey. Uh, John, who's your star? Little guy by the name of <laughs> little guy, little, little guy, little tiny guy, uh, Dylan Gunther <laughs> uh, for the Seattle Thunderbirds. <laughs> He's got. 10 goals in eight games. He's also got five assists. He's looked awesome out there. And, you know, when we went to the game, he scored two goals and he just looks incredible. That's, that's, I love watching him. I'm pretty he's playing sure, with Lambert right now. I'm pretty sure you called him out last week as well, as if a, I'm not mistaken. Definitely when we talked about the game, but I don't think he was my player of the week, was okay. he? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, um, I had a, another star that I wanted to mention, an honorable mention, if oh, you will. I'm, lo- I'm all in on this one. Brock Faber, who came up from the Minnesota Gophers playing in the national championship, what, like a week and a half ago, uh, comes up 
for the Minnesota Wild. Now all of a sudden he's thrust right into the lineup in uh, the playoffs, which is crazy to me to jump from college to NHL playoff hockey. Uh, with the game on the line in that game one, and they're in uh, double overtime, I forget who shot it, but it was like a wide open net, absolutely wide open. Faber somehow dives and just gets the blade of his stick on the puck and deflects it up over the over the net, which was wild. It was so incredible, like how you, how he it, made contact, it, it, in how he recognized and was like, "This is the only chance I have at, at contributing to saving this goal, yeah. or I'm going to do anything I can to get in the way." Yeah, and. I was after that blocked shot. I was just like, I really hope Minnesota wins they because win otherwise that, it doesn't right? matter. Yeah, right. The whole thing is like, oh, you just delayed the inevitable. Yeah. And they did win a few minutes later, and the the win came from Ryan Hartman, who didn't play the nice game. I think he he had to have like broken his foot or something. He looks he looks really broken, and uh, and he got interviewed by Leah Hextall after the game, and she the last question she asked was, "How are you feeling?" And he was like, "I feel great." And then they showed him standing up and walking away from her, and he was visibly limping. It was like, <laughs> it was like you do not feel great other than you just scored a goal. But um, anyway, those are our three stars. Uh, we close the show with tweets of the week. John, your tweet of the week. Uh, mine comes from Tom Glasgow from uh, from Root Sports. From Root Sports, yeah. yeah. He's Tom on NW Sports okay. on the Twitter. And it says, we're getting warmed up for Seattle Kraken pregame, and he, he names a bunch of the – the, guy, the staff at Root Sports that's on the production. Pre-game, I assume you mean pre-game. Pre-game, okay. pre-grain, pre-grain, pre-game. Yeah. And a guy with too much time in his hands. But it is him running through the hallway, what I assume is Root Sports, <laughs> yeah. and knocking off a stack of pucks, right? Just like they do on warm-ups. I love it. Yeah. I loved it. Because when his, I saw it, I didn't know it was Tom. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I'm he's glad got he his did shirt. That. He's got his shirt like untucked and his ties like yeah. loosened up and he's carrying a and hockey he's pretty, stick. Like, straight, it seems like a pretty straight-laced person on the production and like this is like, oh, wow, he's got some personality here. <laughs> that was really so, funny. Yeah. That was really funny. Yeah. I love it. Uh, it reminded me a lot of like the ESPN This Is Sports Center commercials, right? Yes, Where it's like, yes, yeah. All right, getting ready for the game and then you, right? And they, they could, they could make a whole series out of that <laughs> yeah. if they wanted to. Yeah. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. Um, my tweet of the week comes from... From, it's a very serious tweet from the Vancouver Canucks. It says, General Manager Patrick Alvin announced today that the club has signed defenseman Elias Pettersson to a three-year entry-level contract. Oh, yes. Why is that funky that they would announce something like that, do you think? There's two of them. That's right. Yeah, for the Canucks. There's two Elias Petterson's that play for the Vancouver Canucks Which is going to be even more confusing than the, the two Sebastian Ajos that right. are playing against, against each other. Against each other. Yeah. So. But having two, and it's all spelled the same, two Elias Petterson's uh, on your team. And so, so being a data guy, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, that's going to be a nightmare for yeah, a lot of people. I bet. So this Elias Petterson uh, is a defenseman. So that's a little less confusing, I guess. But how, like, what if they both play in the same game and they're both in the same team? Like, how do you even do that? Like, how do they announce it? How do they? I don't think they need to overthink it. They'll okay. just say it. However they're just they gonna. Want. Yeah. They're just gonna pray that it yeah. never happens. Yeah. Okay, that's it for episode two thirty six. Uh, it's been an intentionally shorter episode. We have some playoff hockey to watch tonight. We're both exhausted, and we intended to come in and do a shorter show, and we actually pulled it off. Normally, when we say we're going to do a shorter show, it ends up being like an hour and a half. So yeah, that's the kiss of death we, for we our did short it. shows. We did it. So we could keep going. No, no, no. <laughs> no, we're good. Um, subscribe on Stitcher. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave your five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll read it on next week's show. Quick stick tap for Andy. We'll talk to you all very soon for episode 237. Cheers. Cheers.